Today I'll be reading Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, which all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Good morning. Um, can you hear me just fine? I feel like I'm kind of loud, but that's okay, I guess. That'll help keep Bach awake. Yeah. That's what you get. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's a little something between us about this clock that I brought up a couple weeks ago and then, and then ran a little long. And I appreciate you waiting, Joe. Um, you know, if you're going to storm out, at least give me the satisfaction of, of having started my sermon first. Appreciate that. Um, so today we're going to wrap up um, our study on the, on the full armor of God. Um, and next week we're going to begin a series on, uh, on, on the book of, of, uh, of Philippians. But as we, as we look at the conclusion of this, right, as we look at the conclusion of this, we, we see this, this great depiction, right, of what we're supposed to look like uh, to, to the evil one, uh, to, to the evil ones, is that we, we should have this appearance uh, of a mighty soldier that is fully equipped to be able to withstand uh, the assault that is brought against us and at the same time be able to accomplish the, the, the call for which we've been called, and that is to be able to present the gospel, to be able to continue to teach the gospel and to share the message of, of Christ. You know, because he, he tells us, you know, over and over to be able to stand, stand firm in it. And so, just a, as, a, as a matter of, of recap, right, the first thing we do in, in this um, particular instance is we put on the belt of truth. And as we discussed, it, it's not about accuracy the idea of truth is Jesus Christ the the, the message that is him uh, the embodiment of of him the fact that he is the son of God that he came right to declare uh, redemption and provide forgiveness uh, to the entire earth that opportunity to be reconciled to God 
Um, we then were told to put on the breastplate of righteousness and to, and to you know, that, that idea which protects all of the vital organs, right, that we must be right with God. We must continue to strive to have ourselves in a, in a place of, of, of righteousness um, in, in the sight of God. Um, we were then told to um, put on the shoes of, of peace um, for the message of the gospel, Right? And that is that idea of, of that readiness to be able to teach uh, and to proclaim anywhere and everywhere. Uh, we find ourselves the shield of faith that we spent uh, some, some time on a few weeks ago. That idea that the, that shield um, is, is there to, to protect us. Um, it, it is designed, if you remember the, the pictures, and I'm going to show you um, that, that picture again here in a moment because there's, there was an aspect of it that I neglected to uh, to put forth um, with regard to the, the design and, and uh, probably some of the original ideas that brought it about uh, from, from the Romans. But it, it's there to help extinguish those fiery flames, those, those, those projectiles, those missiles um, that, are, that are aimed toward us, right? And, you know, and it's not just a, a bow and arrow. It's all of those schemes, right, all those temptations, all of those things that entangle uh, us, right? Faith, that shield of faith is to help protect us from all of those things that Satan brings to bear in our lives to try and, to try and collapse us, to try and uh, get us to, to give up, give in. Um, the shield of faith, extremely, extremely important. The helmet of salvation, right? If you do not believe and are not certain and have confidence that you are saved, right? It's, it is hard, nay, I say impossible, to do what you need to do uh, in, in life, to do what you've been called to do, what you and I have been called to do, what the church has been called to do, if we are not firm in our salvation, if we do not believe fully. I mean, and he started the book of Ephesians out, Right? One of the things that he talks about are, are, are the things that are reserved for us. And salvation is one of those things. Our redemption is certain. And we have to maintain that, believe that, and live like we know it and, and understand it. The sword of the Spirit, as Robin talked about last week, which is um, the, 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 the Word of God, right? The Spirit sword, the Spirit wields it. The Spirit is in charge of, of the Word, of convicting the world um, of sin. And so all of those things are, are critical. And I started to start out by saying, you know, which one can you do without? Which one can we, can we cherry pick? Which ones can we ignore, you know, not put as much effort into? And the answer obviously is, is none. We have to put on, as he says, the full armor of God because each and every piece is critical um, for, for us to be successful. And the seventh piece we're going to talk about today is prayer, which is, which is kind of an odd thing um, from the perspective of, of battle gear, right? But from a Christian standpoint, it, it makes perfect sense when we understand the purpose of prayer, the power of, of prayer. Um, this, the next slide um, 
is, is just another depiction as we looked at the, the shield of faith. And I just wanted to point something out. The, the, the word uh, is, is testudo, or it means tortoise. And that was the piece that I neglected to, to, to mention. Uh, loses a little bit of its uh, oomph um, several weeks later. But, you know, if you've ever seen um, videos of, of alligators trying to eat um, sea turtles, Right or sharks trying to eat sea turtles, that shell, that shell creates um, a, 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 basically a, an impenetrable barrier from these things. They're they're unable to do it, and the Romans got the idea for this particular formation from turtles. It literally means tortoise uh, position or tortoise formation, and so you know we as a, as a body. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize once more that that the shield of faith is designed not only to be used individually but collectively as a body it it, it is more effective when we are together um, as a unit as a family as a, as a as a congregation as a church we are much more effective in our defense of the things that satan hurdles at us but Prayer is the next piece that can, completes this ensemble. Um, we're going to look at a few passages. And, and I'm going to focus really, for the most part, on, on Christ. right? Because of all people who could probably get away with a lackluster prayer life would be Jesus. Right? It would be Jesus. Because he was the Christ. He was the Son of God. And yet we find an inordinate amount of prayer time that is practiced by Jesus Christ. Example after example after example after example of Jesus Christ not only spending time in prayer, but relying on prayer, right? And sneak peek at the end, if Jesus relied on prayer, how much should you and I rely on prayer? And how much should you and I practice and participate in prayer? And so the question that I ask myself and that you should ask yourself is, are we spending enough time in prayer? Do we spend time in prayer as we prepare for events? Do we spend time in prayer during struggle? Probably mostly during periods of struggle, grief. We find ourselves right circling and, and heading toward prayer. But at all times, we should work and strive to be more diligent in our prayer life, not just for ourselves as individuals, but for our families, for our neighbors, those around us, and as Paul emphasizes, all the saints. We should be praying for one another in this, in this battle, in this war. So, Jesus gets the question. Um, and it's from his disciples, and they say, 
Teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us like John the Baptist taught his disciples. And just a point of consideration is that you've got grown men being taught to pray. Now think about that. Teaching, teaching someone to pray. Because to me, it's kind of something that's inherent, that you, that you, that you see, that you grow up seeing, that, that you take on. But here we have intention. They are intentionally teaching others to pray. And it's not about form, right? Not about repetition, as he's going to say. It is about an understanding of the importance, not only of prayer, but of the elements of the spiritual life and the relationship between us and, and God. So Jesus answers them in Matthew 6 and says, well, when you pray, first off, let's look at an example of what not to do. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. We also see passages with him telling them to not, to not be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right, who, who stand on street corners and pray to be, to be seen, right, um, who, who, who wear the, 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 the kind of the, the necklaces with scriptures on them, right, who blow trumpets so that folks are aware that they're, that they're praying. Now he's saying, no, don't, don't be like that. That's not what prayer is about. He says, you know, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so he, he's, he's giving them, right, some instruction on understanding whom they're praying to. Make, make sure that you are cognizant. Make sure that, you're, that, you're, that you remind yourself that it is God Almighty, right, to whom you are praying, that he is holy, his name is holy, his being is holy, right? He, he is omniscient, he created everything. He spoke life into existence and, and his, his mere name, right, deserves honor, right? It, it, it deserves reverence. And so first off, understand that. Understand that he reigns, right? Pray also this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This understanding, right, that, that what we're about is to bring about his will, that we are under subjection to him in, in, in our prayer and recognize that. He knows that, right? He knows that. But we are to remind ourselves of that very important peace. Give us this day our daily bread, right? In that you find this idea of, of dependency and of, of reliance. Um, the fact that God knows what we need and is going to provide what we need. 
right? And, and, and remaining thankful in that regard, that he is the provider of all things. Forgive us. And so Jesus is teaching them with regard to forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness, right? But in also doing that, right, this is where he, my, and my dad always said one of the scariest, one of the scariest passages in Scripture. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Or some translations will read trespasses, right? We are to be a forgiving people. And we are to remind ourselves as we go to God and ask for forgiveness on our behalf that we are to participate in that type of behavior with those around us. Because, right, forgiveness we know is, is critical because there is weight that is on the shoulders with regard to sin, right? And, and, and not being able to be forgiven, right, is a, is a, is a weight that no one can, can bear. And so we need to also be involved in letting those around us know that forgiveness is available. Lead us not into temptation, he says. Well, we know that God doesn't do that, right? He can neither, uh, he neither tempts nor can he be tempted. And so we're reminding ourselves as we go before God and asking him to lead us in paths of righteousness. And, and there again comes that idea of subjection, right? Placing ourselves before God and, and asking him to take control. And that's a, that is a, 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 a scary thing, to turn loose of, of, of the reins, right? To, to give Jesus the wheel. That could be a country song, couldn't it? Right? Give Jesus the wheel, isn't that what it is? Something like that? What's that? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. I don't listen to much country music, but I know there's a song like that. But, but, but it is a scary proposition. But, but he's teaching them, right, within this, this idea of prayer, that it's not simply a formality. It's not simply something that you do. It has purpose. It, it, it has power because of the, of the position that we place ourselves in with regard to God Almighty. And he comes back again um, to forgiveness because the, it, it is about relationships. Right? It is about relationships. He starts the idea of our Father, Abba, right? Our Father, relationships and then relationships with those around us. And so he circles them back to, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father will forgive you. But if you don't, then, then neither will he. So prayer, critical. Again, you get all dressed up for this. You look like this. And there's that feeling from the worldly standpoint that now you're going to run headfirst into a field of battle. Right? But again, Paul tells us now that you're prepared this way to be able to stand firm, to be able to resist, to be able to carry out your mission, pray. And sideline or sidebar here, we, we at times talk about prayer, right? And, and, we, and we talk about the, um, you know, the, the, the selfishness at times of prayer. A lot of times we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, right? You know, and that's, and that, that's selfish. But, 
Paul says twice here, pray with supplications. The idea of, of asking. And there's nothing wrong with asking, right? He tells us, ask and you shall receive, right? And so it's, a, it's the idea of knowing what to ask for, right? To, to be, again, intentional with regard to our requests and, and for it to be relative to who we are and to what our mission is. Power and faith. Um, just a few more passages. I want to look at, at Christ. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went uh, to it and found nothing on it. And by the way, this, this happens in the, in the garden of, of uh, Gethsemane, I believe, as he was most likely traveling back and forth from, from Bethany. Um, he would stay with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus when he was in town. And, um, and, and so as he was going back and forth to Jerusalem, right, he had an example, an opportunity to, to give an example of, of the power of prayer to his disciples. Seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it, found nothing on it but only leaves, and he said to it, May no, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Challenge. It's a challenging, challenging piece. We, we see other language. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be cast in, into the sea, and it, and it will be. You know, Jesus' belief in the power of prayer is obviously unmatched. His relationship, dependence, reliance, Trust in God his Father, again, un, unmatched. But he, he knows, again, behind the idea of prayer is God Almighty, right? God Almighty, the one to whom we pray. God's will, another challenging piece with regard to the idea of prayer and faith. And you could... You could debate day and night, prayers that aren't answered, prayers that are answered. God is faithful. God is just. Our job is to pray. Our job is to pray. And our job is to pray. Take on the things that we're supposed to. Use the tools that have been provided to us. But then we pray. We pray. It doesn't mean that you don't take action, but you pray. Everything should be, begin with prayer. The disciples had been given at one point in time <clears throat> in the ministry. They had been empowered with gifts 
um, gifts to heal, gifts to cast out demons, right? Uh, and at times they were successful, at times they were unsuccessful. This situation in Mark 9, a, a father had asked the disciples <clears throat> to heal his child, his boy. The boy was possessed with an evil spirit, a nasty, I guess they're all nasty, but some appeared to be nastier than others. And this, this one had inhabited a child. And this spirit would cause this child to be, to be thrown on the ground to, in, into convulsions. It would cause him to be mute where he could no longer speak. Um, this, he would foam at the mouth like a rabid dog. Um, he would grind and gnash his teeth. And at times, he would just become catatonic, stiff, could not move like a, like a board. And so the father had seen what was going on with healings, and he came to the disciples and said, cast this demon out, heal my son, please. And they were unable to do it. They were unable to do it. And so the father finds Christ, and this exchange occurs. Jesus went into the house. His followers were alone with him there, and they said, why weren't we able to force that evil spirit out? And Jesus answered, well, that kind of spirit can be forced out only with prayer. And we're picking up later in the story where the father found Christ, and Christ healed the child through prayer. And so what he tells them, this kind of spirit, this kind of spirit, you just can't walk up and command it out. This kind of spirit can only be forced out with prayer. Got to have prayer for it to be accomplished. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him um, and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. There were times that he had to get out and had to get away. He had to recharge. Jesus had a habit of prayer. And he... And he would, would move away from crowds. He would move away from folks that needed healed at that moment. And he would go pray, Luke tells us. He also then says, again, in those days he would go out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued to prayer to God. So Jesus Christ, a practicer of prayer, hundreds of times in Scripture, it points to prayer. Jesus practiced prayer. You and I need to practice prayer. Garden of Gethsemane. I said Garden of Gethsemane earlier. I'm sorry. I meant the Mount of Olives. The fig tree was on the Mount of Olives. So we'll have that doctrinal correction uh, made. But here is the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus takes his disciples after the Passover meal, the evening that he's going to be arrested, 
um, beaten, spat upon, scourged, you know, lied about, you know, false witness brought upon him, eventually crucified on the cross. And what do we find him doing, as we know? He went to the garden with his disciples. The eleven, Judas was no longer with them. He had gone to betray him. But Jesus takes the eleven, they go to the garden, and then he takes Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, and goes deeper into the garden, and then he tells them to stand watch, and he goes off by himself. And we have this, this, um, this depiction of, of, of agony, um, of, of, of pressure, of, of anxiety that is, that is thrust upon him, and he prays. Jesus went out to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul was very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And so he prays. Came to the disciples, found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so you could not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again for the second time he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And so as Christ is preparing for his battle, right, he, he is going to be taken. All the things that we know that are going to occur to him are imminent. And so he prays. He, he, he leans on his, on his Father. He leans on his God. He, he pleads for delivery, but also understands that God's will is more important than his personal want at that point in time. But he prayed, and that is a reminder to you and to me the, of the importance of of prayer during the times of, of battle, the times of challenge, that we've got to be in prayer. One more. I'm going to, I'm going to deviate and, and go to Thessalonians. As Paul is talking to the church there, he gives them some instruction as he's closing out the, uh, the, the, the book, the letter to them. Beginning in verse 15 of chapter 5, he says, you know, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. The, re the reminder of the need and necessity for 
a life of, of prayer. Gives thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to reread Paul's words um, in, in Ephesians. As we think about the, again, the, the awesome call for which we've been called and for the, the seriousness in which we find ourselves. We, we are in a battle for our souls. We're in the battle for the souls of our children and families and, and neighbors. When, you know, at the end of the day, you carve everything else away. It's about souls and it's about eternity. And it, is a, and it is a fight for souls. And we need to remind ourselves how serious that is. Life marches along. I mean, I know I probably still look 20, 25. But I'm not. Right? Starting to, I mean, I'm, I'm looking towards 60. It's, it's just around the corner. Um, it's, uh, life is, is fleeting. As James tells us, it's like a, a water vapor. It just, it, it moves. From an individual standpoint, we've got to stay focused, right, on, on the, the eminence of eternity. And also, we have to stay mindful uh, and, and steadfast to the call that we have for those around us. And not, not take it lightly, not take it lightly, but, but act like, we are at war every day because we are. Satan never stops, never sleeps, never gives up. He's constantly scheming, roaming around like a lion, right? He's after souls. He's after souls. And we need to do everything that God tells us in that battle. He says, therefore then, take up the whole armor of God, everything that we've talked about, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which we're in an evil day, and having done all to stand firm, right? So, reminder, there is promise there that if we do it, we will and can and are able to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, who Jesus is, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes for your feet, having put on the, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts or missiles or projectiles of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Asking. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador. Currently, he was in chains in Rome, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The whole armor of God. I trust that it's that it's been um, a great reminder for you all, as as much as it has been for me. 
um, the, the reminder of all the things that God has given us that we must embrace, that we must utilize and make part of who we are always. And by the way, he never said to ever take it off. Soldiers get ready for battle. When their battle's over, they hang their stuff up until the next time. The church never takes this off. You get dressed for battle and you stay dressed for battle all the days of your life. But that message, message is yours. If you're here today and have never put on Christ in baptism, we always extend that invitation, that invite each and every week. We have water that stands ready uh, to immerse someone for the forgiveness of their sins, to find that re redemption, to find that righteousness that is found in God. If there are any other needs that you might have that you want to bring before the church, we'd ask you now to come while we stand and while Mark leads us in song.